Mindless Can, the podcast, with radio personality Jane Lindley Thomas and psychologist Paul Bushel. Because every act of kindness, no matter how big or small, can change lives. In this series, Jane and Paul hope to enrich your life by giving you practical tools on how to be kinder in your relationships with yourself, with those around you, at home, work, and in your community. Welcome to another episode in the Kindness Can podcast series. Uh, Sure, what a time to be alive. There's a lot going on out there, Jane. If it hasn't been enough for us, I mean, in the past we've had conversations around being kind, around load shedding, crime, people immigrating, managing all that anxiety. Who would ever think that we would be dealing with something like the coronavirus? Yeah. I think what jumps to mind as we start this conversation around kindness and coronavirus uh, and pandemics for that matter is for a country like South Africa, we know that we're vulnerable in so many ways already. Uh, We live in a fragile health space. Uh, We live in a fragile economic and social space. And so when we add another piece to that plate, it's hard not for that anxiety and that fear and that panic all just to be swirling around together. And I think that's a lot of what we're seeing at the moment. Yeah, and it's intense. It is so intense because when I look at statistics and when I use my reasonable mind, I'm okay. Mm. But for the most part, I feel like I'm reasonable and I'm practical and I apply my common sense. And then I feel like I've got this dark cloud around me and I get caught up in it and I get washed around and I'm fearful and I'm scared and I'm sanitizing and I'm putting cream here and I'm spraying this and I'm doing that. And then I shake it off and I'm okay again. But it's a roller coaster. Well, I think you and I have been chatting about this a lot on the phone. I wish we could share some of our voice notes yeah. with each other. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the reality is, I think it does. It feels like a bit of a roller coaster at the moment. And it's a roller coaster inside of our brains, inside of our minds, uh, between rationalizing it, looking at the facts, and feeling like, okay, we've got this statistically, there's a lot on our side. And then every now and then watching someone walk through the checkout with a trolley full of loo rolls. And suddenly you're kind of like, if they're doing it, shouldn't I? And maybe this is really bad. And then we go and Google something and then it tells us and it jumps out of the screen and says, it is really that bad. And we turn on the news channel and goodness, they're hyping it up at the moment. So I think it is this roller coaster of sometimes being quite rational about it and then every now and then tipping over into something, which in my opinion is probably the most dangerous part of this virus, that that panic and that hysteria. Well, I've kind of just like been thinking to myself that the hysteria and the panic and the fear is going to get us before the virus does. Yeah. And that herd mentality, it's a very strange thing. Mm. I mean, I was in a shop the other day. I don't know why loo rolls keep coming up. I mean, if there is a shortage of stuff in the world, I'm not buying loo rolls. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> I buy like, I don't know, champagne and sushi. Like if I'm never going to leave the house again, I can wash my bottom. (laughs) (laughs) I don't need 10,000 loo rolls. I don't understand. But it makes me fearful. And when I see that lady with 300 rolls, I'm thinking either you have got like something serious going on at home or you are terrified. And you being terrified makes me feel terrified. Absolutely. So... We can't offer, you know, neither of us are, are medical experts or, or doctors, so we, we can't offer physical uh, medical advice in this podcast today. But it feels to me like there's two parts to this virus. And the one, of course, is the very real physical complications that come with it. Uh, and we can talk a little bit later about some of the, the tips around managing 
and being careful in, in your physical health around this because you and I can't run away from that reality. It's, no one wants to get sick, least of all. If you are immunocompromised or older or more at risk, uh, you've got to take care of your health, your physical health and all this. This is a real thing. At the same time, the other part of this virus, uh, and that's maybe where you and I can tap into this more, is it feels like a, a virus of fear, a virus of panic and hyper alertness out there, which feels just as, if not, more scary and damaging right now. And, and I think we need to be very, very careful and maybe today we can talk about ways of managing that better so that we don't become unkind to ourselves and other people. Well, something that I've been really proactive with is I have gone on a huge social media culling rampage. Anybody that is telling me where to get a face mask is gone. <laughs> I promise you. Anyone that's telling me that you can get hand sanitizers at a discounted price, they're also gone. Because I feel like it just makes me fearful. Yeah. And every like... And every share and every comment is fueling the panic and the hysteria. And I don't want anything to do with that. Absolutely. So this is a really important moment for ourselves as adults in the room, but also for our children to role model how to sift through sources and how to make good choices about which information we hold on to and which information we disregard. Because in my opinion, Newsroom channels, okay, they're not as reliable as an organization like the World Health Organization. Newsrooms are often, we know, sensational. Everything is an emergency. Everything is hyped up. And so if you're using that as your source of how you should think, feel, and act in this moment, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Mm. So it's about disconnecting from that information and rather turning to more reliable sources. We were having a laugh about it earlier today, not that it's funny, but how both our moms are triggers for us because, of course, a mother's intention is to keep her children safe no matter what age they are. But I find myself, and you were saying the same, that my mom and I get ourselves into such a heightened frenzy on the phone that I'm like, Mom, <laughs> I have to disengage. This is not good for either of us. This is not good. I mean, I met her yesterday. She gets out the car. She's like, here's a hand sanitizer for your car and one for the there and one for the I'm like, Mom, you are freaking me out. I leave and I feel like I've got corona. Yeah. So we know as a parent, as a mother, Part of your job, no matter how old your kids are, unfortunately, slash fortunately, yeah. your job is to protect them and keep them safe. And you're hypervigilant around that. So we're seeing that for a lot of parents at the moment. I'm becoming hypervigilant around my own health, but I'm also becoming super hypervigilant around my family's health. And that's causing this moment to become snowballed, blowing out of proportion, Okay, throwing any sort of idea at a problem that might be more manageable than we think. Well, this morning, this very morning, I found myself being that fearful mother where I was literally putting nose spray and cream up my children's nose because I really believed in that moment as I was waving them goodbye that this was something I had to do for them. Mm. I had given them the vitamin C. We'd had the Q&A around the table of what doesn't Corona like? Corona doesn't like hand sanitizer. Yes. And Corona doesn't like hands being washed. And Corona doesn't this and doesn't that and we're coughing into the elbow and all the stuff and then my one son said to me but shouldn't we always be you know washing our hands gosh the wisdom <laughs> of, the a seven year old. of a seven-year-old <laughs> highlight it frame it stick it up because as much as all those things that you said there 
uh, sound like really good piece of advice. And, and they are. Do all of those things. Uh, it's common sense. It's what our parents have been teaching us for generations. Wash your hands. Uh, watch your personal hygiene. Watch what you, what you pick up. Uh, watch where you cough and sneeze. All those things. So keep doing those things. And it's a great moment to be reinforcing it for our children. At the same time, it's keeping that in perspective. And so watching out that we are not generating a fear in them around all of this because they're going onto the playground and that's a virus in itself. Because if you ever hear the conversations that happen on a playground, mm. it's hearsays and half says and blown out of proportion. And they heard a joke, which now they think is true or a, a piece of information that came off a bad, unreliable source and they spreading it amongst mm. themselves. And I think that for me is very dangerous at this stage my daughter said to me the other day she said, i'm so scared of the coronavirus i said no please don't be scared just be mm. just wash your hands and be vigilant my angel that's yeah. about it and then my other son had a dream we were lying in bed the other morning he said oh i had a dream that we were on top of a mountain i said oh yeah and corona was there it's almost like a person it's almost like a thing it's got yeah. like a physical presence it's become vilified it has yeah and i was like so what was corona doing like roasting a marshmallow around the fire and he's like no mom like all like gosh don't make light of this I mean, as a mom, I don't want them to live in absolute fear of other people. Mm. For me, as a human connector, being told not to touch people is really hard for yeah. me. And I had the most embarrassing example. Two days ago, I was in a shop, and as I came around the corner, I saw a woman I haven't seen in 10 years. And my first, without even processing, I hugged her, and she didn't hug me back. I literally was hanging on her like a piece of sexy lingerie. <laughs> and she was just like, she didn't even entertain me. So then I had to like get myself off her. And I like apologize. It was just orcs.com a million times. Yep. Being told not to touch people and so be near hard. people is so counterintuitive for me. Yeah. And I think for many of us, you know, you and I saw each other and our, our first reaction is to want to give each other a big hug. And then because it's all going on, I second guess it. I'm kind of like, well, maybe she doesn't want that, even though that seems so normal. And and so we do this weird, we both got in the car, we're like, that was weird. Well, whatever that was. Yeah. Like, a little like <laughs> high five that missed each other. Um, so I'm going to come back to that in a second, but I want to say one more thing about kids in particular. So giving them accurate, age-appropriate information is really important. At the same time, attending to their anxieties around this is not necessarily fueling it. So when your kids come to you and say, I've had a dream about it, or I've heard about this, as much as you don't want to blow it out of proportion, you're also not sweeping it under the carpet. Like, ah, don't worry about that. Sit down and go back to the reliable facts that actually this is a reality and some people are not well, but they're also getting help and they're being treated and they're wonderful people around us who know how to deal with this and how to make it better. And I'm here for you and we're going to be okay and all that reassuring stuff. So don't be afraid to engage it. Mm. The same in adult to adult interactions. So we've got to kind of learn some new, new norms with each other. So maybe it is even when you're coming up to a friend saying something like, you know what, peace, I'm not hugging at the moment, but don't take it personal. As opposed to having the Orkies weird behavior mm. or kind of avoiding each other or being unkind in a worst case scenario mm. to each other right now. Every time someone coughs, you're kind of like rolling back in your wheelie chair. Big time. Rather having an open, fair conversation about it. That this is what we've decided to do around our office or this is what we've decided. And that's just a way of being common sense in all of this. I got a knuckle punch from a 70-year-old on the beach on Sunday. <laughs> and I was like, either this guy's totally street or he's terrified. Yeah. <laughs> but there was no conversation around it. It was just like, hey, knuckle punch, boom. I was like, whoa, yeah. times are changing. And I mean, 
went shopping with my mom yesterday and someone sneezed about half a kilometer away and she was grabbing her handbag. She was looking for the hand sanitizer. She was going on in there. Yeah. And I'm just like, I can't live at that frequency of panic. Yep. And already, oh, my throat might be scratchy. Oh, maybe I have a temperature. No, it's just the sun on my back. Oh, maybe my nose feels runny. No, that's the shower on. <laughs> you know so, what I mean? <laughs> so in psychological terms, we often refer to this as the confirmation bias. So when your brain catches on to an idea, particularly where there's a threatening idea, and let's be honest, that roller coaster that all of us are on at the moment between being rational and then dipping into all sorts of like crazy hysterical mm, thoughts mm, of mm. death is near yeah. and panic explodes inside of us. Toilet paper! And that's when we start <laughs> hand sanitizing the bag, okay, and being unkind to people. You've got to find the sweet spot in that process of being uh, rational, okay, and also then becoming overwhelmed and hysterical. And that confirmation biases your brain has identified a danger out there and it's now on a mission to identify anything that confirms that belief for itself the thought would be something like coronavirus is going to kill me right mm -hmm. thoughts lead to feelings that makes me feel really scared and so my behavior the more intense that feeling becomes the more intense my reaction becomes we have the ability though to go back to the feeling center once again uh, and say, right, I've got this fear, this nervousness. That's not a bad thing in this moment because it's real and it's happening around us. But let me take the elevator back up into my head and have a little conversation with that thought that is prompting me to believe that I'm going to die from coronavirus. And you, you tune that thought back. You're kind of like, I don't think that you're so real because if I look at the facts in all of this, it seems really unlikely at this stage and more people continue to die with other strands of flu that I've probably had in my life and survived before. So you're balancing that thought out and you're not holding on to that creepy crawly confirmation bias thoughts that, oh my God, I've got a sore throat. Oh my gosh, that person came into contact with me. Oh my gosh, all these strange, untrue, fragile connections, which can get you into a complete spin. And of course, stress, as we know, is one of the greatest forces to suppress our immune system. Absolutely. So it's kind of like the chicken and the egg. Yeah. It's like, I shouldn't be stressed. I shouldn't be stressed because of my immune system, but yep. my immune system is down because I'm stressed. It's like, ah, yep. stop. Stop. So we know when we, our brain gets under pressure, cortisol is released, uh, which suppresses the immune system. So becoming overboard stressed about coronavirus, in fact, inside of your body might even be more dangerous than the virus itself. Okay, or making you even more vulnerable to getting the virus in the first place. So I think this might be a great moment to talk a little bit about what are the things that help you when you become stressed and anxious mm. and how do I apply that effectively in this moment? Yeah, oh, so I don't know. Hit me with some psychological. I mean, I suppose it's just counterbalancing the noise. Yeah. So. When I work with kids, I sometimes call it the happy recipe. So for all of us, we've, we've developed over time certain resources uh, or things that we do that help us when we feel stressed and anxious in our life. So even if it is in this moment, thinking for a second, well, what has helped me in the past when I've been overwhelmed by a certain thought uh, or by a stressed, anxious feeling? Jot them down. For me, it's shopping. Okay. So I either shop. <laughs> That's a tough one right now. <laughs> <laughs> shopping. Or if I'm at home, I go and play with my clothes and shoes and accessories. Yeah, fine. So <laughs> we, and what's really effective about that kind of technique, 
other than your bank balance, which oh, comes under let's threat, Let's not right? talk about that, yeah. <laughs> is it's distracting for the brain. So we know the anxious brain, when it hones into something dangerous, it goes for it like a hole in your tooth. Your mm. tongue just keeps going mm. over and over again. Your brain is like a dog with a bone. It doesn't want to let it go. It's what keeps cropping up in all sorts of strange moments. Coronavirus. Have I got coronavirus? Am I going to get coronavirus? How am I going to deal with it? So there it is. Your brain is focusing on it because it, it identifies it as a threat. It's then also putting all these confirmation biases around it. It's looking for signs that it is true all the time, scanning. Mm. So what we need to sometimes do in those moments is manually pull our brain away from that thought and that process. So playing with your clothes <laughs> and all your accessories <laughs> is you manually saying to your brain, you don't need to go there. I've got this. I've dedicated time to this. I've worked out a strategy in my life. I've worked out that I'm more than likely going to be okay one way or another. And so I pull my brain away from that. So for many of us, an effective way of dealing with stress and anxiety is something in our life which can be distracting. And that's not sweeping it under the carpet and pretending like it's not there. It's just balancing the amount of time that we actually spend thinking about this problem out. I think we're both quite lucky that our our significant others are such cool, calm, collected humans. Because <laughs> I promise you, I must ask Michael three, four times a day, are you stressed? And he's like, nah, N-A-A-A-A-A. I'm like, uh, another three cases, are you stressed? Nah, he's never, ever stressed. And thank goodness for that, because I reckon for people that go home and are fueled at home or fueled in the office or fueled on social media, it must be a really scary place to be right now. Yeah, so I think you're giving us all a great tip there as well gravitate towards people who give you realistic reassuring advice and feelings in these moments so mom we're not talking about coronavirus anymore because you are not that for me you feel the fear because of your fear but gravitate towards whether that's information outlets or whether that's people in your life who make you feel calmer who can help you balance those thoughts and those feelings out and we love a mom eh Oh, my gosh. The intention is so pure. Of course. Of course. I know exactly where it's coming from. But how from. many hand sanitizers does a girl need? I love you, though. A million. As I was leaving her house on Sunday, it's like throwing it through the window. It's like <laughs> a hand sanitizer for your hand sanitizer. Thank you. Um, I think other techniques that jump to mind in, in this moment for me, and you and I have spoken about it before, and we, and we both subscribe to it so much, is, is stuff around visualizations and affirmations. So when you're starting to feel overwhelmed in your thoughts or overwhelmed in your feelings, pulling back, pushing that wheelie chair away from the desk, mm -hmm. closing the laptop, closing your eyes, and manually taking charge of your brain and your feelings that come from the thoughts from your brain in that moment. And either speaking back to them in an affirming way, I'm going to be okay. The facts tell me that I'm going to be okay. I'm taking the necessary precautions in my life. Or closing your eyes and meditating in some way. Again, that distraction process is, is so healthy. I came across a really interesting article. Obviously, on social media, we are, you can read articles just by the headline. You can read things that are going to unravel you statistic wise. Although the statistics, when you look at them, are not that scary. But I'm saying the, the propaganda around that stuff. But I came across a really, Interesting take on it. A design trends forecaster actually called the coronavirus an amazing grace for the planet. 
a very unconventional approach. But she was chatting about it um, at the Design and Darbo recently and speaking about how the industry of trend forecasting, if you look at it, it's like um, ranges and looks for certain seasons come out way ahead. And now with all the backlog of merchandising and um, the consumerism side of of it, trends are really falling out of trend Mm -hmm. because – there are warehouses full of mustard-colored shoes, for example, that are not going to be in trend in X amount of time. But it's kind of like the planet has said, whoa, we have got too many things on this planet. And she was talking about it from a trend forecasting point of view that this might be the break that the planet needs. Mm. A lot of people are just like, that is too heavy for me to even try and consider. But an interesting take. Yeah, well, I, I think that in any situation – no matter how hard or real or scary it is, we make space for that part of the reality. But I think there can be a lot of psychological and social benefit, economic benefit even in this case, of sometimes thinking to ourselves, well, what, what can we take from this? What things can we realize we can do without? What things we realize we should be doing more of? Maybe like load shedding, for example. Maybe we should be spending more time over dinners with our families, without technology, talking and, and connecting. And, and that's a, something that we can take out of that moment. And, and so certainly when a virus like this breaks out, as opposed to pushing people away, it's an opportunity to stand together, come together as a community, buy local, work local. Right. I don't know, stuff like that. But again, I suppose it depends on which way you want to look because there are people that are saying, oh my gosh, but this is creating an economic downfall. This is crashing economies. Look at the rand, look at the fuel or the petrol, or the oil, or whatever the thing is. It's always something, right? And then you look on the other side where people are saying, well, this is actually an opportunity for us to, A, see what we can live without. And I was watching an article, uh, an interview with the first British guy diagnosed with the coronavirus in China. And he was saying it's been really interesting for him that you can't just, he, he picked up his bottle of Coke to the camera. He said, look how much Coke I've got left. I don't know when I'll ever get a bottle of Coke again. A razor. I don't know when I'm going to get shaving cream again. Yeah. And he's like, you really start to prioritize what you can live with and without. Yeah. For me, having a look at it from a very holistic point of view is maybe this is an opportunity for us to just slow down. down. Yeah. But it feels like a lot of stuff to get through because I think it might be easier if we weren't so connected in a virtual reality where the fueling seems so – it's wild out there. Yeah. And so what jumps to mind for me is that slowing down is, is always a good piece of advice. Slowing down and, and maybe this moment allows us to, to slow down a little bit and choose how we're going to proceed, whether that is as an individual, as a community, as a country, as a planet. But I really want to emphasize the point that the fallout of this virus, although uh, it's very unfortunate for the people who have passed away and the people who are going to struggle mm. with becoming infected and the, and the illness of it. I don't want to take away from the physical experience of this and fall out of that for a moment. But when we feel the psychosocial fallout of this in the way that I, I think we're seeing so much of at the moment, that herd mentality, mm. that group hysteria, I think the economic and social fallout, we're creating it and it's going to be far bigger than it probably needs to be. And so I think balancing the difference between common sense and care, realistic care with panic and hysteria is such an important responsibility for all of us right now. Well, I mean, this morning alone, we were talking about four collective gigs that have been canceled 
Yeah. We're meant to be going to Johannesburg this weekend, and we are not going. Yeah, and I get it. But at the same time, we've got to balance this out because when does it start tipping over into something which was that really necessary? And the longer this goes on, I think we've got to add that into the narrative. Well, I was reading an, um, a post that Jules from Good Luck, the band, had written, and she you know, was talking. And if you want to go and read that post, it's very candid, and I love the way Jules expresses herself. But she was saying that they've just found out that Ultra Miami – Tomorrowland winter have been cancelled alongside another gig and Coachella's now been pushed out by six months. And, you know, for people that rely on freelance work, it's, it's quite scary. Yeah. Because you know that this is being fueled by something like a big beast of a machine, you know? Again, it's coming back to finding that sweet spot, that sweet spot between being responsible in this moment uh, and not fueling something unrealistic. Mm. Be kind out there, man. Yeah. Be kind to your, your body. And take care of your family's bodies if that's your responsibility. At the same time, be kind to your mind and be kind to the experiences of the people around you. So coronavirus is contagious. We know that. But so is kindness and joy and calm and perspective. Take care, but don't feed the panic and fear and be kind to each other and breathe. Paul and I have uh, put together a talk that we want to go and take into corporate spaces, into schools, and into communities to just try and be a part of the relief. Yeah. I think we need to hold space for this. Like any psychological experience, we by no means, when we're talking about finding the sweet spot and balance today, suggesting that we sweep this under the carpet. Not at all. We have to hold space for this. At the same time, we need to make good choices of what comes into that space. So, yeah, Jane and I would love to come and extend this real and practical conversation into your space. If you'd like to connect with us, follow us on social media platforms or drop us a line at info at kindnesscan.co.za. Until we chat again. Lots of love. You've been listening to Kindness Can, the podcast. Find out more at kindnesscan.co.za.